Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? Mm. I'm just peachy. I bet. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I guess you could say that I'm jumping at the bit to do this movie review. Jumping for joy. Yeah. Um, jumping for Anya Taylor-Joy. I like Anya Taylor-Joy and pretty much anything, but you know, having a voice voice only is a little less of a reason. I like like seeing the live action actors, but I guess they kind of sort of anyway, you know, they take on the their likeness. Yeah, their mannerisms. Mhm. But you know, we we are already getting into the weeds even before we talk about what it is we're going to be talking about. Yeah, but if you clicked on this, you <laughs> probably already saw the title anyway. So, uh, See, the, the goal of this episode, dear listeners, is that we're starting out in as loopy a place as we can. So record it, uh, particularly late, as we always like to do. Mm-hmm. I might have had uh, uh, some some drinks. Well, uh, we were discussing this earlier. Yeah. Was, it, was it wine? Was it? I went with a little of that uh, orange cream. That uh, that you were so kind to uh, to give me as a gift, and uh, put that with some Seven Up, and it tasted like delicious soda with a little bit of a kick. Nice, that's soda jerk. Yes, it was very good. Uh, if only we were sponsored by that. Need to work on that. Yeah. So obviously, we're going to be talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, we're going to be doing a movie review. As always, it's going to be a scientific affair. Down the numbers. We're going to break it down into multiple categories, and we're going to give a final score that can be anywhere between a zero and a hundred. And then uh, you get to listen and judge how we are judging others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the maths will be mathing today for sure. I do believe so. Now, we always like, well, usually like to give a little spoiler-free. Uh, preview of whether we think this is something that you should see in the theaters, uh, whether this is something that you should maybe wait for on a streaming service of your choice, uh, possibly buy a Blu-ray or something that you should maybe just take a pass on altogether. Um, so let's let's get it going with that. You, Mr. Richard, what do you think? Is this something that people should be just thronging to the theaters to see? Uh, well, they are so far, uh, as of this recording, almost a billion dollars in the box office. So uh, very popular. Uh, don't go see it because it's going to make a billion dollars. Go see it because it is an awesome, awesome movie. If you have kiddos, for sure take it. If you play anything on the Switch that is Mario related at all, for sure go and watch it. I would agree that if you have kids, this is a great movie to take them to see. It's a it's a safe movie. It's a bright movie. Has a lot of fun little bits in it. Uh, if you are a Mario fan, I'd say take it or leave it. I'd probably wait for streaming if it's just you and not the kiddos for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I don't necessarily think it benefits all that much from being in a theater situation. And uh, in addition to that, good Lord, the number of people in the theater was just a lot. And you know what? The people in the theater, a lot of more kids. Mm. Kids are not great theater goers. Yes. Now, uh, that does bring up a good point. Um, Going to a theater to watch a movie is always, it's part of the experience, Mm -hmm. right? You have that. But that being said, yes, other people are not enjoyable. Um, (laughs) But uh, I was fortunate enough that when we went, 
there were probably total, total, besides the four of us, like 20 other people in the theater. And of course, a few of them were kids, but the kids were great. And you know what? Here's the other thing, too. I found it really hard to believe, but when we got all four of the tickets, the total was like 26 bucks. So I think we went at just the right time, which kind of brings up a side point. We talk about, should you go and watch this in the theaters? And we know that sometimes spending 12, 13, 14 bucks on a, on a ticket isn't feasible for everybody, especially yeah. if you've got a family of four, five, six. But um, if you can find the right time and go to a matinee, you will definitely save some bucks. That is definitely true. And that is why the theater was so busy when I was at the matinee. There's mm. at least 50 people in that theater and that uh, made uh, one of the two of us slightly nervous. Uh, it wasn't me. Yeah, they, there were... Uh, the theater that we were in was, the, I think, the biggest one that they have at our particular location. So there was plenty of space between us and everybody. Yeah. Well, let's kind of crank into it. Uh, as always, like I said, we will break it into multiple different categories. We're going to talk about the cast. We're going to talk about the director, the costuming props, location, score, cinematography, plot and writing. And then we'll give whatever bonus points we think are worthwhile. Um, so... Uh, we often kind of change things up and go around in different orders. I think we're going to go straight in the order that I have these written in. And it's a very specific order that I originally put these in. And it's the order that I kind of thought of them in the first place. It really has no specific reasoning, but I don't want to change it now. Yes, and it it always starts off with arguably one of the biggest highlights of most of the movies that we see. Yep, and that's cast. I know you were particularly excited about this cast. Well, there are a couple of people, a couple of actors, actresses, voices all around that are just, to me, awesome, cool, love seeing them, love hearing them. Um, we talk about, I, I, the, the, the voice acting brings up a, a, a strong kind of like apprehension for people because they're like, oh, you know what? Uh, we've seen the previews and that's not Mario's traditional voice. But one, who does Mario's traditional voice? Well, that would be uh, Mr. Charles Martinet. Now, um, he was in this, but uh, just for a little little snippets but not the mario voice that you're used to hearing and uh, it's a plot point because it gets addressed really really early at the like the very first part of this movie as to why chris pratt's voice is what it is in a certain sense but uh, i'm telling you it's chris pratt as mario was honestly fine great yeah. I don't have an issue with it. I didn't really have an issue with it either. I, the, and we talked about this well before the movie came out. When they made this film, there was going to be absolutely no winning, no matter what they did. Mm -hmm. They would either put in Charles Martinet, and he would do the standard Mario, and they would say, oh, that's nothing new, or then, then they'd go, well, that's not really doing the Italian people justice, yada, yada. Or they would go to some other person that had a very strong Italian accent and you have the same problem. But they went the other direction and just kind of iced, you know, glossed it over a little bit, made it a little more standard. And then everybody goes, but it doesn't sound like Mario. So there's no winning on this. Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody that's going to complain about something. Yeah. But I didn't have an issue with his voice. I like Chris Pratt. 
Um, he may have been a little vanilla, but it's Mario. It kind of needs to be a little vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, having Charlie Day do Luigi, I thought that was a great choice. Dude's super funny, and I think he came through quite well in yep. his performance. When you talk about uh, vanilla, you need something to offset the vanilla. That's Charlie Day. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Uh, I was trying to place from the 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 commercials that I had seen because we all saw the Penguin King and the commercials mm-hmm. like, Man, I know that voice. Where do I know that? Oh, right, Carrie Payton. Yes, I recognized it instantly because uh, I do watch The Walking Dead, although I haven't watched these last few episodes. Um, but he does a lot of voices, but he does a lot of DC voices. And yeah. lately I've been watching a lot of DC stuff, and he does the voice for a lot of DC animated characters. Yeah, no doubt. And having John DiMaggio in it was great. I mean, that dude is just a legend. Having uh, Keegan-Michael Key in there as mm-hmm. Toad. I mean, come on. This this cast, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong was great. Seth Rogen doing a voice that was not as Seth Rogen as Seth Rogen generally is. Mm-hmm. With, with definite hints. Because it has the Seth Rogen laugh in it. Right. But as Donkey Kong, you're like, yep, that makes sense. It's, right. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with Jack Black. You expect to see, okay, Jack Black's going to be Bowser, and we're going to look at Bowser and we're going to hear Jack Black. Well, no, not really. I mean, he he changed it up a little bit. Yeah. Now, when he was singing. Yes. Yes. That was definitely all Jack Black. But... I mean, this is a just an all-star. I mean, you've got, got Phil Lamar got to get in there for a minute. Phil Lamar is an all-star voice actor. Besides yeah. the stuff he's done live action, of course, but he is... He is Green Lantern. He is he's so many characters, so yeah. many characters. I, I still... talk. I've, I've been lucky enough in doing this podcast that I've been able to meet a number of individuals that I've really appreciated their work. And that's one individual that I have seen, but I have not yet had a chance to to actually get close enough to have a minute or two just to express how much his his work has meant. We saw him from a distance. Yeah, we did. <laughs> just couldn't get close. I'll mention one other. Um, Carlos um, Alazraki. Um, so you might know him from Reno 911, but... He does a lot of voices as well. Yeah. Um, he, he does he does Bane a lot in. He's Mister Crocker. Nice. Yeah. So he, I, I I'm a huge I'm a fan of nine one one. I've read on nine one. I love that show. And you know, every once in a while, you watch a show, you want to find some credits, and then you look and like, oh my gosh, he's in so many cartoons. Like he's in so many animated things. I didn't realize that. And then you look and like he's bang, bang, bang. Like, okay, now now I think about it. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, it's Sebastian Maniscalco. He uh, he. If you look at this dude's face, you go, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but he's uh, he's been in a number of really good films over the years. He's a very funny individual. Has some stand up. Um, having him be involved was also just if you're going to have that kind of Italian. 
Italian feel around, having him just be around for a moment is nice. And he was a, the Spike character. And apparently, if you dig deep into the Mario lore, Spike was like the original, original nemesis, let's call it. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, this is a ridiculous cast. Um, there, There's not much in the way of weakness uh, that I that I can see. So, uh, out of a score of 20, what would you give this? I believe I checked in at a strong... 19. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm I'm not too far behind John. I, I got to give this a solid 17 on the casting. I, it's, yeah. just, it's really good. There were there were some individuals I maybe would have put other individuals or uh things but for the most part I mean, it's, it's pretty much as good as you can get. So pretty solid. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the director or should I say directors. There were four. Co-director. Yes. So that's the thing that gets me. Sometimes in in the in the credits, it's not real quick, uh, not real clear what they mean. Yeah, <laughs> because in an animated film, there could be so many elements in in terms of like what are you directing? Where the director director in a regular film does all of those, he's all those hands, he has all the fingers in the cookie jars. But this one, it could be this person directed this element, this person directed this element, but they had to work together to blend it all. Yeah, it's just it's just really it's really strange, and a lot of times you'll you'll have that as its own kind of section. If you if you're the type of person that really digs into the IMDb page, and they'll have oh, this is the assistant director, this is the uh, extras, this is the night night side director. You know, they'll yeah. have all sorts of different things. But in this, it's just for some reason. Two directors, two co-directors. They are Aaron Horvath, Michael Jelenic, Pierre Leduc, and Fabian Pollack. Pollack? Pollack? Probably Pollack. But there's only one L. There's only one L. Both names, you could do whatever you want. Pollack? That could be Pock. Yeah. They just like don't pronounce the L and the O or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We- names are weird. Yeah, so Aaron Hovarth, you might know from Teen Titans Go!, um, and that's about it. What, five episodes? Oh, and he did the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Michael Jelenic has done a variety of just animated stuff, a lot of Batman, but also some Teen Titans Go. Wow. Uh, Producer. A lot of production uh, credits on that one. Exactly. This looks like his first foray, really, into... Uh, the director's side of things. Well, okay, wait a second here. So we're seeing a lot of uh, DC stuff here. We're seeing, in terms of even though like the voice actors, a lot of people that did DC properties. Um, who is the company? Who is the who released the Super Mario Brothers movie? Well, the Super Mario Brothers movie is. Da, 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 da. Where'd you go? I'm wondering if there's a tie-in here. It would be right. It's, I went past it. They've changed their interface, which is really annoying, and I'm still getting used to where stuff is now. I used to be able to jump right to it, and now it's no longer where it used to be. Um, well, we can come back to this question yeah. eventually. Because if you think about it, uh, the Super Mario Brothers property, right? Uh, there's a lot of 
Sony things and Marvel things and but like it's the Nintendo company, right? Yeah, I mean clearly they they have um, a stranglehold on exactly um, who gets to do what and how. Oh, they say it was filmed in Paris, France. Oh, that's the studio for it then, huh? What does the if we just look at the actual image of the poster, sometimes it's just stuck on there too. IMAX Universal. There we go. Well, that makes sense. I already knew that because Universal had the new Super Mario Land. Oh, that's where that's at. True. That just opened recently too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time to be enjoying Super Mario items. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, they've they've got uh, they've got the rights to that and. All that sort of stuff. So, um, Pierre, uh, Despicable Me 3, Sing 2, Grinch, he's the animator, so that's a good thing. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, he kind of knows what he's doing around that. And Fabian Pollock, 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 uh, <laughs> also kind of same thing, Lorax, Sing, Despicable Me 2. So, they've, they've got kind of similar experience. Yeah. There, there's a lot of quality uh, movies in their repertoire for all of these directors. Now, luckily, I wasn't familiar enough with any of them going into it that I had a clean slate, had no expectations. But even if I did know that, I make no assumptions on a film that I think is going to be kind of like a kid's film. I want want to go in straight because it could be good. It could just be trash. And it isn't always the director's (laughs) fault, depending. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we look at the writing credits, for example, a lot of times, me personally, I like to give ratings for directors if they have their fingers in the writing credits because those things can go hand in hand. But the writing, the main writing credits are not the people no, who no. directed it. Matthew Fogel. I didn't know he had time to come away from Subway to do writing for... Wait. No. That's Jared. Yes, and he's in Vogel. Prison. Right. Yeah. My fault. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Wait, Fogel. He's from um, uh, the movie with the stuff. Fogel is uh, McLovin. Oh, that's funny. Um, so I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think that's that, but still good. Mm, what are his writing credits? A Lego movie, a Minions. Mm, not. Not too many. No, not a lot of uh, not a lot of credits there. Okay, but back to the directors. So this is this is kind of where we go with editing and uh, seeing the the actors kind of make sure that they gel together, make sure they kind of feel the story of whatever it is that they're in that kind of spot. How do you think that they did? Well. And the other thing with this, too, is it is a kid's movie. I, I, I guess you could say especially targeted for kid's movies. You have to get attention and stick with attention. Right. And I didn't really get a lot of lulls in there. There was a couple here and there that were just very minor, but nothing too crazy. There was always a way to be entertaining. And the movie is like an hour and a half long, so it's got the proper amount of uh, time to it. It's nothing too crazy. Uh, I think I gave the directors, what, a dozen? Yeah, the 12. Um, I felt that there seemed to be a disconnect between the voice acting and the subject material and then the other voice actors. It was there, but it was like copy-pasted sort of thing. It didn't 
it didn't strike a note for me. It didn't really pull me in. It didn't impress me in the way it was put together. I agree. There wasn't a lot of lulls. There was a couple moments, but in an hour and a half movie, you're not going to have a lot of lulls. Um, Unless you don't have a very good movie. Right. That's true. So I I thought he did all right, or should say they. I thought they did all right. Mm-hmm. Um but they also didn't really impress me all that much. I gave them a nine, nine out of fifteen. They don't impress you much. Okay, yep. fair enough. But you know, there are other categories where things can catch up. Absolutely. So let's go to the costuming and props. Now, obviously, this is animated, mm-hmm. so it's not like people are making the costumes, but they are representations of the characters as they have been presented through video games in the past and then interpreted for a film. Mm-hmm. Um. I think they basically got it right. They represented like the the Tanuki suit. That was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so let let me preface most of my categories from here on out with uh, starting with the pandemic era. We bought a switch as a way to occupy ourselves as a family when we were you know stuck together for a while, and since we've gotten that. We have played one, a handful, maybe four, five different Super Mario Brothers uh, titles off the Switch. Like not ran. There's been other things we've done. There's been like Toad and Yoshi games, but like Super Mario Brothers, we've played quite a few of them. And the the newest Mario Kart, which is Mario Kart Eight, we play all the time. Like we still play. That So when I see the characters on screen, I'm thinking in my head, like, well, what did I see when I was playing the games? Right. And, and that's that's weird because we talk about a comic book and, mm-hmm. and its translation to the screen. But in terms of like a gaming or a game movie, it's there's just not a lot of them that have had any success whatsoever. And there's just every time they make them, they just kind of bomb and they're not that good. So. Right. Um, I really enjoyed the representation of these. I thought that the suits, the characters, the color, the shape of the, the faces, the hands, like all of that stuff was spot on. I thought it looked great. I I thought they did a good job in representing the source material. I mean, if you, like you said, if you played the games, then they looked like they did in the games, basically. There was very little deviation if if any at all, um, even even the instance where you go to like uh, Bowser with his attempt to uh, woo uh, Princess Peach with his top hat and his uh, his grouping of uh, quote unquote flowers, yes. <laughs> but that's kind of straight from straight from the games. I mean he's mm-hmm. he's done the top hat thing. He's done and it, and it is very representative of it. I, however, have a couple of criticisms. Go on. So, first, um, this first criticism, I don't think there's a way around it, really, because I feel that the the target of this film is a combination of those that have played the games, that have loved the games, and kids. And so you're basically tying yourself to the mast of a ship that's aimed at nostalgia and representation or more accurately replication of what is already there. So in an instance where you have a film where you have a chance to take 
to take it up a notch, to be able to improve upon what's already there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just embellish it a little bit. Just give it a little a little spit shine, a little something different in one or two spots. They didn't at all. Not once. Uh, and I kind of appreciate that, right? It is it, true to the subject matter, maybe even to a fault, right? Um, when you look at the Marvel movies, a lot of embellishments. Yeah. Like we want to see things like, as fans, we want to see the classic cheesy yellow and blue Wolverine suit. Do we want to see it the whole movie? No, but we want to see some of that classic look, right? Does that work kind in live of. action? No. Does no. it work in animated? It's better, right? But th that may be an extreme version, but what I'm saying is a lot of these other things, and we, we I'll go back to it. We talk so much about comic book things because they're coming from pages to life, whether it's animated or whatever, and there's always some type of liberty taken with right. almost all of those characters. Yeah. And that one knit with this movie. No. It was like straight, this is what they looked like before, this is what they look like on the screen. And, you know, I, I appreciate where they're doing with that, but for me as a viewer, I want to see them do something, anything. Just, okay, I get that you're trying to honor the source, but also let's see what you're going to do to invigorate the source, to to do something a little bit more. And they may not have had a choice. Again, Universal slash Nintendo, Nintendo probably yeah. had their stranglehold on it. But for me, that was a bit of a letdown. Um, and, yeah, I will say this. The vehicles were fun. Mm -hmm. The vehicles were really well done. Yep. Now, those were those were embellished. Yes. Right? So those weren't your – a lot of them were your typical carts, but a lot of them weren't. But they were clearly inspired – not only by Super Mario Kart, but by like Diddy Kong Racing. And it's like, oh, I, yeah, I can see where you went with that. And that was kind of what I was hoping for in some other areas, but I got it basically just there. Yeah. And I get where you're coming, and I have no faults in that criticism. Uh, I just was, I don't know. I, I just saw it. If you're if you're not going to embellish, you better do you better stick to the stuff as it was intended to look and be perfect and be perfect. And, and they did kind of do that. Yeah. So out of ten, what would you say for costuming? Across? I gave it a big old ten. That's pretty rare. Uh, out of ten, I gave it a six. Oh dang! <laughs> it was okay. Uh, it just did not excite me. Um, location. Man, there were a lot of locations. There were. Um, it, it can be as simple as the the ice, like where the, all the penguins are at, right? Right, right. Which really in itself was detailed without being detailed. Um, Bowser's little floating kingdom, of course. Every time you showed like a different area of it, you saw a little bit more detail about what you were looking at. Yeah. As you went through all the different lands that they traversed and where they got to, um, you know, the Mushroom Kingdom was its own thing, right? Uh, where the where the Kongs were, like that was its own thing. The Rainbow Road was it, like yeah. There was a lot of things that were just real sharp, yeah. right? Uh, 
talk about your embellishments. Like when we look at the mushroom kingdom, right? Oh yeah. It's you if you play the game, you see things in the background, but like this was just like an expansive explosion of mushrooms and pipes and yeah. I like how they interlaced the characters and I think like the creatures just kind of meandering through there. Yeah. I like that yeah. too. So I, I felt that the the colors were bright and vibrant they were. when they needed to be, right? Um, dark and spooky when they needed to be because we had that element as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I really liked all the little scenes that they had. I like how they implemented the moving platforms and stuff within the cities and and the way that they implemented. And this was going to be, I, I felt, a tricky thing because if you're going to start in the real world, which they don't really look like real people to begin with, but okay, yeah, you're going to start in the real world and then get them to the Mushroom Kingdom, that could have just kind of fallen flat how they presented it. But going down in the sewers and the way that it was put in there, it looked really, really good. And uh, I just every time they went somewhere new, you got to see a little something that you didn't see before, just in the design. And whereas I felt that they didn't take any chances or put any polish on the costuming, man, they went all out on the locations and it was always something different. And that, that is what kept me in the film as, as much as anything. Yeah. There, the, the backgrounds truly in when you're playing the game, it's truly a background. And a lot of times you don't focus on what you're seeing. You're focused on the foregrounds and some subtle interactions that you will find too. Cause every time you go to land three, one and three, two and three, three, like they have their own kind of theme, right? right? Whether you're underwater or not, but the, the fact that they took the elements and then ran with it to make it a full world. I thought, I thought they did. I mean, my scores will show it, but yeah. I thought they did great. I, like a colors. Pop, I just, yeah. I don't know. I like it. What, what is this another 10 from you? It. It just might be yes. All right. Well, I'm I'm pretty close to you on that. I'm, I gave it a nine for the locations. It's it's pretty much everything that I could have hoped for in the locations for this film. Yeah. I was really impressed. Um, score. Mm. Now we talk when we talk about the score, we're talking about not only the orchestral music that creates the background, uh, but also any pop uh, music that they decide to implement into it, and whether it enhances or gets in the way or whatever that. Um, this was going to be important because the music, the score of the original games is as much a part of the game as anything else. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like, much like with the voice acting in this, if if you're watching this and the voice acting is something's off, it's it's distracting to you. But you get the same thing with the score, too, where why did like that song doesn't fit there. Or when they're when you're hearing something in the background and you're just like, it's the same kind of annoying thing or like, okay, they're playing this weird piano theme. There must be something scary up here. Right. You know, like there's kind of that typical stuff. I got no distractions out of any of this stuff. Right. I thought everything fit. And the fact that they did the actual theme music from all of the games and just had sometimes sometimes they were in the forefront, sometimes they were just there accompanying you as you're doing the stuff. I thought was yeah. I thought was great. 
Yeah, they approached that exactly right. I mean, they, they made some alterations here and there, as you, you're going to have to do in a theatrical presentation, mm-hmm. but it, it kept the it kept everything with the way that it should have felt like when you were playing a video game, and that, that was, it was great. I really don't have any complaints on that. Now, as far as the popular music that they put into it, Thunderstruck? Really? Mm-hmm. No. No, no ACDC in a Super Mario movie aimed at kids. That's just dumb. Do you not like Australians? Is that what it is? I love the song. It just didn't fit. Neither did, I mean, I get it. They're, they're from Brooklyn, so no sleep till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys. I love that song. Not for Mario. Really? Well, see, the Thunderstrike gets you that kind of, you know, peppy, up-tempo, Let's you know. Let's get moving. And and at this point, if you like ACDC or you don't like ACDC, whatever the case, you've heard a handful of their songs. Right. Like they're over marketed. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those songs are kind of like theme songs for your life in in commercial form. Yeah. So it's not it's not like that song is unfamiliar to kids at no. this point. You know, twenty years ago, you know, maybe maybe that wouldn't have been the marketing thing, but nowadays, a song like that, yes. But it's got a purpose. The song has got a purpose and a feel, and it's supposed to be slightly edgy. It's supposed to be like uh, like Bad to the Bone would have been uh, closer to when it came out. It's supposed to have that edge. There's no edge in Super Mario Brothers. Everything has rounded edges. No thunderstruck. No sleep. Dill Brooklyn also gone. No. Take on me? Okay, yeah. That's like, that's nostalgia in music form. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good choice. I didn't have a problem. Holding out for a hero? Jesus. Sure. Whatever. Um, well, Mario is a hero. Yeah, I mean. but that's, again, talking about overused music. Just just stop. Um, Mr. Blue Sky, that was kind of fun in the sense that, mm-hmm. that you got that little tie-over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's it's hard when the real the real value in the music is not this stuff, right? The real value is the music from the games. Um, and, exactly. And there's just certain there's just certain segments. There's just certain things where you jam it out to a you know a, a Mario Kart uh, song. It just doesn't fit. So you're right. You got to find those elements elsewhere that just give you a different, you know, feel, purpose, um, l- sound in general to it. If you are going to have things from the real world, quote real world, then throwing in a few quote real world songs is is okay. Uh, I didn't really. I once again, I didn't get distracted by any of these things. I didn't think like, come on, like for reals. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, that's the, that's the perfect song. I was just more focused on all the game songs. A couple of these song choices made me groan and my eyes roll back into my head. It, now the regular stuff, the orchestral and the, and the video game music, that was perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of why, because that was so good having these choices in there. It's like, come on, man, you were doing so well. Why did you do that? Yeah, maybe this just isn't their forte. Yeah, again, maybe they another instance where there was not a choice of the matter. It's like we have 
rights to do these things and and our screenings have shown that the the people will react to these songs in this way and mm-hmm. uh, it, it had problems but so with your with your effusive response to the music can we assume that out of 10 points that you were again 10 points so let's put it this way if the mario themed stuff was 12 out of 10 and the regular theme stuff was 8 out of 10. What is that average? <laughs> All right. There you sure. go, right there. Sure, I don't think so. 10 so, out of 10. 10 out of 10 for you. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a solid, a solid 7 out of 10. We always enjoy giving 7s to things. You know, there's nothing wrong with no, that. No, nothing wrong with um, all right, cinematography. Now, obviously, this is also a little difficult in an animated film as there's not exactly camera work. Uh, but there is definitely a lot of animation and the equivalent of camera work and how it approaches things. Um, it, uh, it was okay. I think you got depth when you needed to get depth. You got the wide angle views when you needed to get them. Um, you saw the expressions on people's faces when you needed to see it. Yeah. Um, once again, the the color I thought was really good uh, in, in this movie. Just like that's a highlight, yeah. Just one of the tip top elements of this movie was how everything was shaded properly. Um, and to me, that's still a cinematography thing. We're talking about animation; it's an animated movie. Um, There's going to be some bleed over. Yep, but in terms of, let's say shifting and the action sequences i didn't feel like they were trying to overload us with things although there were a lot of things going on and it was really easy to focus on the things on the forefront and i don't think you missed a whole lot if you didn't see the things in the background Mm. but i'm sure if you watch this again as i will for sure that i'll see elements of characters, creatures, moves, items that just kind of pop up in the background. They're like, man, I missed that the first time around. I thought the highlight in terms of the equivalent of cinematography was the um, Kong City and the drive out of Kong City onto the Rainbow Road. I thought both of those were uh, the choice of angles and the way they did things. It allowed you to have the action without overwhelming what was on the screen. I mm-hmm. thought they did really well with that. Um, a lot of the other parts were just kind of bland. <laughs> but again, I, I have yeah. to take that with a grain of salt, understanding what the target demographic is when you're going to have a kid's film. You don't want it to be too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and going back to the different lands that we saw – you had to traverse through them in a certain form or fashion. And your focus had to be on, was it going to be on the characters? Was it going to be on that background? Were you going to show a shot that gave you all of those things because of how wondrous and glorious this new and unusual land was that they were showing us? And I just kind of felt that you got all of that stuff. There were several instances where they had very odd angles that they used to present the characters, where they went uh, ant's eye view when they really didn't need to. I noticed that. You're right. There's a couple of those that were just like, I get it. 
you got to switch it up a little bit, but uh, a lot of um, zooming in uh, to where you didn't get to see full full body. You got to see portions when you really needed to see the full body doing whatever what what is. And they'll say, "Well, it was just a cut for a second because you see the full, and then it goes in." No, we didn't need to go in. We just need to stay on the body. This is an unnecessary transition that just complicated the scene for no particular reason other than, hey, look, her dress changed color. Oh, great. Okay. We could have seen that just fine with the pullout. We don't need to see the close-up of pink going to blue. Great. Um, Well, maybe, and I'm probably stretching here at this, maybe some of those shots were dictated on the animation style. And maybe certain elements that they felt were more challenging to animate if you just don't film them, right? You change the angle so you don't have to film them. There was a thing about, um, once again, this is a long time ago, the X-Men series from Fox, that a lot of times when you saw those characters, you saw them from the waist up because for them to animate them walking or running, it was very, very, very difficult for the animators to draw it appropriately or proportionate appropriately at the time do i think that's the case nowadays yeah probably not but if it's something where they're having a challenge with a certain element or a view of things i could see them just saying okay well why don't we just we, we just trim it a bit because i don't like how this looks we can zoom and edit a little bit to get rid of some of those things so do you remember back in the day in video games one of the most annoying features of the game was the static camera angle or the inability to move the camera in the way that you needed it to move so mm-hmm. you could actually see what was going on. I felt sometimes they were trying to emulate that because I couldn't you... see what I needed to see, and it was so frustrating. I If they're fighting Bowser, zoom out. He's a big character. <laughs> now, speaking of that, if you remember the one of the towards the opening sequence when Mario's trying to they had the issue with their vehicle, but then they had to run down the road, complete side scroller as they're jumping. That out. was cool. Very cool element there. Um, I feel like there was one time. So there there is a game. Um, uh, it's a it's a toad game where you are in basically an island and it's a three dimensional island, but you rotate the camera to get different views of walkways or caves that you need to go into or buttons that you need to hit. And I I thought there was an element of that in there too, just a sneaky little version of it. Might be. Not a a major thing, but like once again, just kind of a callback to a view that you would get in some of the various games that you would play. Well, what do you think? Out of 15, what does that give you? Did I do 12? 13. 13. Okay, yes, 13. <laughs> he says, 13. 13. Um, I was brought out of it several times. I can't give it an awesome store, score, but it wasn't terrible either. I had several instances that were nice. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 15. Did I hear a niner in there? That is a 9. Ooh. All right, so we have the big one, plot and writing. It's the last, last one. This is where... A movie will really succeed or fail, and this is going to be out of 20 points. Um, hour and a half film. That's mm-hmm. going to be some concise storytelling. Mm-hmm. How do you think they did? So, when you are telling a story based on a video game, what do you pull from the video game as the important elements? Um, 
did did you watch the Halo series on Paramount Plus? I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that I will lose nerd cred points by saying no. Well, um, I think the the thing about that is you're not missing much. Oh, okay. For a game and a story and characters that are so awesome, all you had to do was take the story that was presented to you and put it on screen. Yep. Done. Easy. Well, that's not this story, right? No. Mario, the Mario Brothers world is... Huge. It's huge. You know, you go back to the first one, um, Bowser has the princess. Okay, so what, what, like, what, like, how do you build a world and how do you build a story around that and so many other worlds? Because it's always Bowser's doing this and then you gotta go through this and you gotta rescue the princess and then more people pop up. And, And... as the games had gotten more progressive and more complicated and more things that you could do, they introduced more features and more. So how do you just build a story around that? And honestly, I thought they did fine with it. This isn't any groundbreaking story by any stretch of the imagination, right? It's like, Oh, we fell into this world. Um, it, it, what, what is it really? It's a story about a down-on-their-luck set of brothers and their compassion and love for one another. And their plumbing skills. And their their plumbing skills. So one brother gets lost. The other brother um, needs to find his brother. The end. And yet another example of, like, the honeymooners uh, uneven love-interest-attractiveness ratio. (laughs) <laughs> where the dude is a scrub <laughs> and somehow and you're the princess yeah um, from the human world by the way yeah so I mean it's they didn't need to do much they just needed to have it basically have the flavor of the games have the feel and and flow and have some humor which they did I love the bits uh, traveling through the pipes it's like oh this is going to be great and he gets hit by all it's, it's a Futurama joke basically but uh Still particularly good. Uh, the princess in another castle joke was was fun. You know they 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 have some self uh, self uh, awareness uh, in the writing that's pretty good. Uh, the toad character was annoying, um, but that's he's supposed to be annoying. He's supposed to be and like that was the Keegan Michael Key voice acting character. He's got that high pitched uh, like squeaky voice. Uh, and he's just kind of always there, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of th- yeah. that character. So, um, y- you know the 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 fact that they made the 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 princess in the games always tended to be the damsel in distress, but in this one she just kicked butt the whole the whole thing. Uh, that's slightly different from what people who are our well, age might the be originals used. maybe correct but they, they changed it over the they, years. they did so they've changed the perception of the damsel in distress princess to like right. if you if you play the game if you play the games now you can be mario you can be luigi or you can be the princess and do all the same things um the 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 princess has her she has the dress and she floats down with her dress like that's a legitimate move that's in the games that she can do, but the other characters can't do. So 
I thought all the elements that they needed to put in the story that were based on the games were there. Absolutely. That's the positive. Let's let's go with a couple of criticisms here. Now, some right. again, some of these criticisms are not so much criticisms as they are does the the movie fit my particular taste and what I'm looking for in a film? I am not a huge fan for the most part of kids films. They are overly simplistic. Mm. They do not fit my taste. My kids are grown up. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to watch them anymore. Uh, so in those instances where there are kid films, it has to have a lot to really make me go, okay, wow, that was a good film. Or I had to be very tired at the time. Um, so I, 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 and you're right. I guess for me, when it comes to the, the quote, kids movies, I can't stand them either, right? Uh, there's a lot of them around the holidays on Netflix and all these other things, and the kids want to watch them sometimes, and I'll just sit there and watch and like in my mind be like yeah this isn't very good uh, even if you're a kid I don't understand how you like this particular movie so I, I totally get that I feel like in some of these reviews that I've done lately like there's been an Adams Family one there's like the there's a spy movie that they're written smarter now because yes the core audience is kids but you build enough elements in for adults too that it retains the interest level for the kids. And I think one of the big things when it comes to a kid's movie, you don't know if the kid actually really likes it a lot of the times. You could ask the question, what'd you think? Oh, it was really good. And then a week later, like they, don't, they could care less about the movie that they just saw. Um, so the one thing that I know, at least my son really enjoyed the movie is all I had to do was just turn left a little bit and a big smile on his face in the middle of the most random scenes. Right. So I know that for me, the story in this isn't great, let's say, but it is great because they liked it and it used the elements that I understood from the games. So you're, you're right. It's all about, sometimes it's just about perspective. Yeah. And, you know, 15 years from now, I'll have a different perspective on movies like this. Yeah. If there's a Mario Brothers, you know, 18 that's out then. Yeah. And that's why I tried to preface this because when I watched it, I was bored. I was bored for almost the entire film. I didn't laugh. I didn't really smile. Nothing. There were a couple things like, oh, that's nice. That's about the extent of how good it went for. It's like, oh, that was neat. I see what they did there. But nothing got me excited. Nothing got me hooked into the plot or hooked into any character development, which, by the way, there wasn't any. No. Um, no, we, we didn't know who the Kongs were, for example. We got a, we got a, we it got took a, a bit. Smidge. We got a, a bit of the princess story, right? right? We got a smidge. Um, you, you got elements of things. That wasn't the priority in this. And no, I understand no, that. That's not what I was there for. Um, it's, but for me, without it, if you can't give me character development, or even more important, if you can't give me character growth, the closest we got to character growth in this film is Luigi was not scared at one point once. Woo! That's an improvement. <laughs> right? Well, you know, one of the games is Luigi's Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Right? So he he he's always, that's, that's the character. So yeah. the, I, I, I don't know, I... Let me ask you this question. Mm -hmm. When is 
so you don't have a switch. No. Did you have what was the one before that? The Wii. Did you have a Wii? No. Okay. When is the last time you played a Mario Brothers game, and what was it? Uh, well, if we're not talking about friends games, uh, Nintendo 64 was the last Nintendo product I had, and that would have been pretty much everything in that series. So, I mean, I liked I liked the and, and definitely lots of elements from that yeah. series and all of right, them. Right, right. Uh, I just think for me, I have my my scores are very skewed in this because of legitimately how much as a family we've played all these Mario Brother games and the Mario Kart for the last, like I said, like three years or so. So definitely my my view and my enjoyment of this movie, I was not bored. I enjoyed the thing the whole time. Um, so yeah, my 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 scores are definitely well, and that's normal. Skewed. Yeah. You know. So I mean, it's, you're you're a current dad. I kind of figured yours were going to be higher than mine were, uh, but and that's why I always try and, like I said, qualify these things. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just not for me. No. So you you get a great perspective on it because if we have listeners out there who aren't going to view this as a kids movie, but hey, you know what? Maybe they did play Super Mario Brothers games when they were younger. Maybe they have a Switch and played a little bit, but they're not. They don't have that investment. What is that? What is that view of this movie right. from that perspective? Well, we've said what we've said. Now we'll score what we score. Out of 20, you gave... What did I say, 15? 16. 16. 16. You gave a solid 16. A sweet 16 out of 20. Uh, I gave it a 10. Um, so Hammered on it. <laughs> it just was not... The characters were not very interesting. The plot was not very interesting. Nothing really happened. I was... The, the cars were cool, and you know there are a handful of it. it that that's just not enough for me for yeah. a film. Don't expect a miracle in storytelling. No, on this no. One. But then again, you know it's still even that score. It's still not bad. I mean, it's way better than some other kids' films that I've seen, like Leaps and Bounds. Better. We need to do a review of one that we both know we just absolutely hate. <laughs> Give it, give it as an example. We can find we can find them on Netflix. There's a lot of them out there. They're really bad. But that brings us to our bonus points, where we can add or remove points for no reason other than to get us to the the actual score that we want to be at. I have no bonus points. I think I gave one. You did. You did. Did I give one? It had to do with a tongue. A tongue. A lick a tongue. Mm, yes. Okay. So, um, see, my, my brain doesn't work right now. Um, I, I, I do want to say a lot of the, the bonuses I wanted to initially think about and give were related to some of the people that we saw in here, like to get the actual original voice actor who's done Mario. Yeah, Since we nice. know Mario, it would be it would be wrong to have him not be in this. Movie. Oh, yeah. That'd be an insult. Um, when we did the score, we talked so much about all the stuff, but we left out Peaches. Oh, right. Peaches. That was good. We did even, and it's a minute and a half song. And I'm telling you, if you've watched this movie, you'll know the song. That's the highlight. Really. And, and, and if you, if you hear it, it's stuck in your head. Yes. It's it, so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's, it's so annoying that it's great. Yep. It's, yep. It is Jack Black. It's it's great. Anyway, so my point that I gave was for 
one of my son's favorite characters in the games that we really didn't see, and that was Yoshi. So if you saw as they traversed through the countryside, we saw herds of Yoshis kind of trampling through, but that was we thought that might have been it. At the end, at the wedding, we saw an egg placed with the rest of the gifts. But if you stayed through the credits, the second credit, post-credit, like the second scene, which was the post-credit, not a mid-credit, a post-credit scene, was the uh, egg hatching and Yoshi popping up. Uh, and to, to me, it was just 20 seconds of just that little thing. But it's really cool. It's going to set up another movie. They've already announced it. Well, if you're going to make a billion dollars off of what? A, They're trying to do an Avengers-style shared universe. Uh, well, we saw, so when we were in, they were in the fire pit, right? One of the comedy highlights was the, was the, the character, star. the star. So um, if I never really played the games, but like the Super Mario Brothers Galaxy games, that's a character from that. Mm -hmm. So are they going to go into space? They're going to have a Metroid. They're going to have uh, memory serves. They're going to have Castlevania. They're going to have I'm basically all of the Nintendo games as movies. And then they're going to Super Smash Brothers. As a movie? As a movie. As a movie? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll stick with this movie. <laughs> I'll, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. That's just what I've seen so far. So take it with a grain of salt. But, um, yeah. I think I think the budget for this one was real low. Well, it made its money and then some. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious as to the, the voice actors and actresses in here. If they said, I will take my pay. Or. If they did some behind. Yeah, I would like, have definitely said, yeah, give me the back end. Give me some. Give me some percentages instead. Yeah. Um, but uh, that brings our grand totals. Richard with 91. And Ken with 67. These are some vast... That, that might be our biggest disparity in scores in, the, in any of the things that we've done. Yeah, I think it probably is. And even then, 67 sounds bad. That's still passing. It is passing. It's a D plus, but it's passing. Um, yes, just sometimes when you watch something, your mind says that it's bad, but your smile on your face tells you otherwise. And for me, that was this movie. Yeah. And it makes sense to me. But what do you think? Dear listeners, as always, you know where to find us on social media. We have told you probably more often than we should have, <laughs> but, uh, check us out on, uh, uh, any of the social media. Let us know what you think. And, uh, Next week, we're going to go back to uh, another interview. Ooh. Yeah, we're, we're going to have some good stuff. I mean, if, you, if you've never gone to our website, you really should check out the website, everybodylovespudding.com, and you can see what will be coming up uh, and just know the coolness. Like, So next uh, week, we're going to have actor James Moses Black back on the show. Interview number two. Yeah, and uh, he is uh, going to be talking about a variety of things, including his new vampire-fueled film that he's in. Ooh. Ooh. But uh, until then, keep watching films, have some fun, and we'll see you soon.